Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Nympha Alumni. Today is a, a semi-emergency roundtable because it's about a topic we've been thinking about for the past year or so, but some things have happened at Balenciaga that you've probably heard about that have acted as a really good case study for this topic. So we're going to talk about the Balenciaga saga and also this trend of reactionary... What do you guys call it? It's like a reactionary movement against kind of alternative culture in general that's happening yeah i think originally when when we wanted to do this episode a while ago we wanted to call it pop satanism and it was after all of the astral world stuff went down and also like lil nas x was using a lot of satanistic imagery in his music videos and kind of being like a provocateur with that but that was like a year ago and now it's seeming like there is like a combination of different um cultural moments going on that's intensifying this and just making it seem like a lot more urgent and like serious and the mainstream media is getting involved yeah it seems like uh around the time last year when there was controversy surrounding satanism with um astro world and Lil Nas X and stuff celebrities didn't tend to like respond to all the controversy especially with astro world like the kardashians were they did not like speak on it travis scott never really addressed it super fully right like he did on like live or something but this go around it seems like everybody is kind of chiming in which is interesting and kind of like clarifying their position on where they stand mm-hmm. in terms of th- things that are maybe like a year ago were considered super conspiratorial and like not worth people's time. Yeah, I would agree with that. People are definitely posting lots of statements on Instagram, pointing a lot of fingers. I guess we should explain exactly what happened. I'm sure most of the listeners have seen this in the headlines or seen it on Diet Potter or just seen it happening online so basically balenciaga as we know had two campaigns come out in the last month that had some themes some props some imagery that are suggestive of child abuse in a couple different ways yeah i guess the main one is like the bdsm teddy bears shoots yeah that seemed to really have people a bit pressed can i ask you a question because i actually yeah I'm confused here. Is Was the okay. BDSM teddy bear shoot also the shoot that they did where there was those documents on the table about, like, child pornography? No. That was a different one, though. Okay, cool. So basically, there's two kind of different campaigns. The one with the BDSM teddy bears is their, quote, gift collection campaign. And, yeah, so that was the one that had a bunch of kids with teddy bears wearing bondage gear. And then... There's another campaign that is for their Adidas collaboration that is shot in an office and featured a document from a feature document from a Supreme Court ruling, which basically deemed the promotion of child pornography illegal and not protected under freedom of speech. And there's also some other props in that office shoot, which people also find really suspicious. But they're like separate, which is why also people are like, what, how can this be a coincidence if these two campaigns are separate, you know? This is where um, I thought it was really interesting and why I think we were kind of discussing doing an episode on this, even though it's... um been something that a lot of people are already talking about but it's really interesting the way that people reacted to this because it feels very different than the way that other conspiracies manifested in the past few years it seems like this is mostly driven by like an aesthetic revulsion to kind of alternative more nihilistic or ironic styles which have now become extremely mainstream like Balenciaga is huge and pretty much mainstream but when you go through twitter and you look at all these threads putting all these pieces together and you start saying like weird performance art what is it the cremasker cycle what is that yeah matthew barney's cremasker cycle like coffee table book was like yeah (laughs) i think there's just something about the convergence of everything right now Obviously, Balenciaga has a relationship with Adidas, and they also have a relationship with Kanye West and the Kardashians, and everything that Kanye is going through right now is also, like, full of controversy, but then also, what seems of note to me is, like, kind of all this went down around the rise of Elon Musk's Twitter, and so misinformation is just going really crazy. You would see all these, like, blue checked accounts and i think we're still we still associate blue checks with authority in some way and just like when you're looking up the balenciaga controversy on twitter 
they're all of these right-wing media people but they look really legit but they're just podcasters with really high production value who like bought blue checks we should do that yeah we should do that i know we should it's just like people who get like a fake breaking news sticker and i'm like it looks like cnm but it's just like some random guy with four thousand followers I mean, at this point, I feel like everybody is taking everything that they read with a grain of salt on Twitter. It is weird that it all came to a breaking point and like peaked around the same time. And this is also good because this put together a timeline because I was very confused about the events and like what was taking place. And once I read her timeline, that has been fact checked. Oh, Um, well, (laughs) it was actually People Magazine that put this timeline together. Oh, really? So it's probably been fact checked by the people magazine stuff but yeah there is a timeline but also i just wanted to say before we go through that if we want to go through that that alexia i like your point about twitter because i feel like everyone has just been in a state of moral panic right now with elon's takeover of twitter because it's like major forces are being shifted around public forums are changing and there's just been a sense of outrage i guess that's been heightened recently which obviously this is a really good thing to channel outrage towards yeah yeah and just like people who who used to be banned from twitter like coming back from the dead and i don't know weirdly though the one thread that we were really obsessed with by this account called curios light they got their account got suspended from like really on elon musk's twitter probably because they didn't use any commas everything was yeah, probably because they were like speaking broken English. It was the grammar police. When I was looking them up, trying to see if the thread was archived by anyone, it was just the vibe right now. Twitter being run by Elon Musk is so funny because you'll have all these random people. They're adding Elon Musk and they're being like, "Hey, like, can you bring their account back?" It's just like this very weird, like paternalistic vibe where everyone seems to think they're his friend. We could just like ask him to like fix stuff that's wrong with Twitter. I don't know. He's, he's like, responding to people, which is kind of crazy. And he's being, like, it's honestly, like, because the thing is, like, I've never really used Twitter, so I have no opinion or attachment to it. And if it tanks or if it succeeds, it really makes no difference to me. But, like, I do think it is super funny that, like, he's playing, like, some weird cosplay game, right? Because he's, like, allowing all these people back on Twitter, but he didn't allow Alex Jones back on Twitter pretty arbitrarily because he said he has children and, like, he personally, like, would never let somebody who has weaponized the narrative of children against, like, for political purposes. He's, like, 20 to 30 children that are constantly being uncovered on Twitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he was, like, begging Trump to get back on Twitter, but Trump wasn't wanting to do it. Yeah, dude. But guys, Balenciaga just left Twitter, like, last week. So it's so interesting to see this. Oh, yeah, I guess they were, like, the first brand to yeah, leave Twitter. The first major fashion brand, at least, to leave Twitter. Okay, so, timeline. Uh, around the middle of November, so, like, a few weeks ago now, Balenciaga lost, launched its 2022 gift collection holiday campaign, which featured those photographs of children alongside teddy bears wearing BDSM gear and that was shot by this award-winning National Geographic photographer named Gabriel Gillenberti and then shortly after the separate collection the collection that's done in collaboration with Adidas shot in an office setting which was shot by Chris Maggio or is it Maggio? Maggio is probably right Maggio, yeah, was released. And then, so the first person I believe to release a statement was the photographer Gabriel Gallimberti, who shot the photos of the children with the BDSM teddy bears. Then, shortly after that, on the 24th of November, Balenciaga issued its first statement amidst the backlash. It was like really heavy at this point. Then, this was kind of like a really big deal. Uh, Balenciaga initiated a $25 million lawsuit against North Six Production Company and Nicolas de Jardin. So, that's basically that's the production company and the set designer who did the set for the office shoot that had the document from a Supreme Court court ruling on child pornography but then they dropped that lawsuit a few days later then they issued another social media statement on the 28th of november this is kind of like an interesting aside but the business of fashion revoked dimna's global voices award for this year the same day and then just a few days ago on the second dimna himself posted his own statement addressing the errors that they made and talking about like what steps they're going to make going forward basically which include putting together an image board but also like educating themselves on 
basically child abuse and seeing how they can like prevent it more effectively. <laughs> this is just so crazy. It's just very random. Something that I do actually like about this controversy is that it feels very like nostalgic, very classical like controversy. This is actually a controversy that I feel like everyone can kind of randomly get behind. Everyone is kind of separating back into their little like tr traditional camp. The artists are all anti-satanic panic and like the right-wing people are being very like right-wing. The left-wing people are being very left-wing. I think for the past few years, everything's been muddled and confused and traditional labels for people's ideologies were not necessarily applicable anymore. But it's controversies like these that I feel like are kind of simplifying ideological narratives to like move everyone back into their original camps does that make sense i feel like the contrary is happening where everyone is just like getting together and being like what about the children <laughs> you know because even really lefty people are like condemning this and being like weird vibes and right-wing people are obviously going through their moral panic and then kim kardashian is also like i don't stand by this julia fox is also speaking out on it I feel like everyone is kind of on the same page where it's like kind of a sliding scale where everyone sees that it's not okay, but either this was a fucked up bad look or like this is evidence of a global yeah. like, child trafficking ring, you know? One thing that's really interesting to me about this is how it's kind of pulling back the curtain on fashion production. And I feel like Balenciaga is mm -hmm. a brand that's notably always doing kind of like weird cryptic shit. So Gabriele Gallimberti, the photographer behind the holiday campaign, his statement, everyone just seems to be grinning responsibility being like, hey, like I'm just the guy who does this one very specific thing, you know? But his statement said, I'm not in a position to comment on Balenciaga's choices, but I must stress that I was not entitled in whatsoever manner to neither choose the products nor the models nor the combination of the same. As a photographer, I was only and solely requested to lit the scene and take the shots according to my signature style. So it's like, damn, it's really making everyone break their role into its tiniest compartment. But it's also kind of making us realize that, you know, like so many people are involved in this and there's like creative direction and there's production. and But there are also so many steps of approval, which is what I think they're like, not going to be able to beat the accusations because of people some people do realize that there's maybe like 50 or 60 people involved in the general like releasing of this shoot right because you have to like hire and outsource all this creative labor and you have people run the set you have to have models you, you have to have casting directors you know there's like so many people involved and in i can see how that can easily slip through the cracks like especially with the chris maggio shoot where there was just like a little piece of paper like on a desk that was partially obscured that like nobody would have even noticed in the first place unless there wasn't already like the BDSM teddy bear shoot or whatever. I like how this also kind of revealed a really outdated idea of photographers that they're all like maestros on set being like, what is that piece of paper? Is that the Supreme Court ruling <laughs> from 2010 about child pornography? What is that doing on my set? Get that off my set. This kind of like very delicious photographer, but like photographers for the most part are like hired hands. No, yeah, uh, it's that's the thing is that I feel like it's undoing years of just clout chasing and like association vibes, you know? Because if someone were to tell me, oh, I'm a photographer with Balenciaga, I'd be like really impressed. But this guy's being like, hey, like they just <laughs> asked me to light and shoot this thing. Like I had nothing to do with it, you know? Yeah. So I think it's really interesting how everyone is really scrambling to like dissociate themselves. Yeah, he's actually like he's a forklift, like a forklift operator. He's like, no, 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 no. I just pressed the button. Yeah. Um, it's also really funny seeing these threads on Twitter that are like, I'm a set designer. I just want to say that every single thing that we choose to have on a set is very intentional and like there are no mistakes thread part Ugh. one out of ten i'm just like okay maybe like sure but i don't know like see people just like looking up legal documents and just like printing out whatever shows up yeah. but also that is kind of like a specific thing i don't know i just would have yeah. maybe i would have had more respect for them if they would have been like arguing for creative boundary pushing if they would have stuck by their edginess like i think it would have been a little bit more commendable yeah, like, where are the, like, Marilyn Manson vibes from the 90s when people were, like, accusing him of causing Columbine and he was like, no, I didn't. I didn't know, I'm literally I didn't just a singer. <laughs> I didn't know that happened. That's so, that's so funny. Is I feel like this feels super similar, right? But people are res responding in really weird ways. And also, like, Balenciaga is not shied away from trolling, standing, like. yeah. trolling, standing by, like, controversial things. They maintained their relationship with Kanye up until it was literally impossible mm -hmm. to do that. And, like, they are like literally the 
historically edgy, ironic, boundary-pushing brand, or at least Demna is, even before he worked with Balenciaga, you know? I can bet you, like, some, like, snotty edgelord, like, some meme account that's an intern at Balenciaga or something, put those documents down there and make some sort of commentary about, like, the elites or whatever, and then it got turned around back on them. And now they're the subject of a million investigations about whether or not they belong to some, like, weird elite. No, I think that's true. It's just, like, weird seeing a brand like Balenciaga bowing to... I'm sure that, like, they had pressure from, you know, really, like, high-profile people like Kim mm-hmm. Kardashian and, like, people within the, the industry, but from the outside, it does look like they... For them to be threatened by, like, these backwoods conspiracy theorists on Twitter is just, like, a little embarrassing. I just think that they should have done the argument of this is actually really conceptual. It says it, we're, like, making a statement about, like, how this stuff is fucked up, you know? So that's how artists have been getting away with stuff forever. No, it's true. I think it's interesting. And this is something that I had in mind whenever there was the Addison Ray praying controversy, which is that like the alternative aesthetics are no longer palpable to a mass audience anymore. In the past, the past like I guess 20 years maybe, we've had twee, like hipsterdom, alternative aesthetics that were very easily integrated into like the popular consciousness because they're just like very palpable aesthetics. But that's, like, changed drastically since Instagram and, like, I don't know, like, mass Bushwick edgy, like, DJ culture or whatever. And now since those things are becoming the creators of, like, alternative aesthetics, people are still going through the motions of let's integrate alternative aesthetics into the mainstream. But you can, like, really kind of no longer do that because I think I feel like alternative people have gotten way too, like, edgy with their behavior and aesthetics, you know? I think people forget that the average person is actually kind of like sensitive to controversial aesthetics and like is kind of like pictures of Satan and stuff I feel like (laughs) the general public has never hated fashion more than it does right now in terms of like I feel like the my parents like will hear like the Balenciaga scandal like the Adidas Addison Rae scandal and just be like it's a dark world out there um like I feel like they used to not know like who Balenciaga was it's yeah, true. My favorite thing that I was seeing is this, like, but people saying that Ball and Siaga translates to Ball is the king. Yeah. Apparently, Ball is like some kind of like demon of um hell who's like the first king of hell who's um the first like, king of god hell. of <laughs> god of child sacrifice. It's just, like, literally not true, but it's also so funny, but it's also, like, do these people not know that, like, Balenciaga was someone's last name? It's not, like, a word that they, like, made up for the brand. <laughs> Dude, this brand was, like, founded, like, 1919 by, like, some Spaniard Like, Cristobal Balenciaga. It was, like, his name. Yeah. But maybe, like, Ball was, Ball was his king, so... <laughs> maybe it was, dude. Um, People just, like, typing shit into Google Translate and, like, yeah. waiting for something to come up. I mean, I think it's funny and I think it is like, it's weird that like Kim Kardashian is like making statements to like respond. I guess she is like a symbol of like fertility and motherhood. So, well, this is something, ooh, because I've always thought she's like super like biohacked fertility. And I think mm. people don't like her body. They have like a visceral reaction to like biohacked nature. Like, and Joanna Owen on Instagram was like making really good points about Balenciaga a few months ago about how like it's literally like techno slave wear. A lot of the outfit, it, it's just extremely nihilistic aesthetically. And like people are really tired of that sort of thing. Like it's like the stuff that you would wear if you were living in like the Wally universe, you know? Mm-hmm. People kind of instinctively understand that and don't really want that to be like their luxury goods, you know? Yeah, that's true. I I was thinking about this as a whole. And I think people, yeah, are just on, we're on a tip of getting tired of Balenciaga anyways. Like it become so oversaturated people have gotten so tired of deciphering like the shock value the constant irony of Balenciaga and so yeah in that way this is like a very well-timed crisis because it's really just precipitated in a different vibe being ushered in because Balenciaga has yeah like has been like the top brand for the past like five years I mean Gucci was like the other kind of like global aesthetic but I mean speaking of that's also over too so it's like there really is something new brewing in fashion Yeah, there's like a a void. We should talk about how everyone posted when Alessandro left as though he had just passed away. Yeah, that was like the 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 (laughs) death of Christ. And then like this was was, like he was eaten by ball. Yeah, that's like what it was like. It was truly 
It was a sacrifice to ball. I mean, he was literally was. a threat about that. Yeah, it's interesting because <laughs> Gucci, like, even when they've had kind of stuff that, like, feels off-putting, like, models walking down the runway with their heads, I guess he always just married it so well to, like, kitsch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they were never under any sort of scrutiny for their weird vibes. Yeah, people were like, oh my god, flowers, like, how could it be evil? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was, like, very twee, Wes Anderson-esque. No, I just, like, loved the posts that people were making about Alessandro leaving because they're, like, say what you will about this man and his clothing. Like, he changed the game and, like, no one can deny it or whatever. I was it just, was like, when Virgil died, it was, like, the exact same thing. No, yeah. literally, it was the same and it's also Virgil died. <laughs> the, the anniversary of Virgil's passing actually just happened uh, as well. So, it's true. like, there's lots of, like, weird portals open right now in fashion. Like, doors are being shut and opened. Well, this is, like, it is funny because I think we do need to kind of get to a more traditional, easily palpable type of fashion that's, like, maybe more focused on, like, construction or, like, glamour or, like, and more couture-focused, right? Like, none of this experimental stuff. Like, I'm tired of it. Like, we talked about that in the old Hollywood episode, how we were seeing, like, more princess-style, super couture types of gowns on the red carpet and how that felt like something that would become more popular. And obviously, the last couple, the last, what was it, two collections ago, Balenciaga had uh, kind of some, some like reiterations of early Cristobal Balenciaga silhouettes, but. But like mud bathed and like with a bunch of like. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about the one that was had like Nicole Kidman and Dua Lipa. Um, oh. Mm hmm. Yeah, like, and they were walking around, yeah. And it was in a really pretty house, like, how old couture collections were shown. Mm -hmm. That was a vibe. That's nice. Yeah, I think Balenciaga just at some point became way more about, like, the brand than they were about the fashion. I agree. Like, yeah. yeah. And they kind of just, like, took it too far in their edgelordian activities. But um, I kind of want to talk about how this, this kind of first started becoming apparent to us with like the World stuff it's really crazy how gen z seems to be into conspiracy theories and just like esoteric information no you're totally right i don't know like we're supposed to be the generations like very uh internet literate but i think we're still very enchanted by um darkness and like conspiracies you know what i mean well, I have my, like, notes from a year ago, which is, like, I think I was going, like, McLuhan schizo mode, like, way harder a year ago when we first started talking about this episode. Like, we, and, like, I have, like, a big thesis, like, written that I feel like I could maybe explain, but don't really grasp fully because it was so long ago when I wrote it. But, like, it does seem like Gen Z is more akin to, like, this type of information spreading and gathering because it's very mythological, right? Because it's, like... um what McLuhan calls like acoustic it's like non-linear and web-like right and it's so instant and it comes from all sides right so like you're kind of like more like against logic right like you're you're less like akin to a more logical gathering of fact-checking and information because logic is oftentimes like associated with like sequential linear like history is also measured this way as like this linear sequential thing or like whenever you try to solve like a logical equation it's like if then statements or something and it just seems like gen z being not an extremely like a very non-linear generation like they don't really they don't really accept facts and logic very well also like i think they think it's cringe to be like facts and logic pilled a little bit i guess it's also kind of like I've been getting more into K-pop recently, and <gasps> I, Wait, Biz, I how know, did you not even tell me? I know it's my dirty <laughs> secret. Um, I think that like I know in K-pop, the kind of uh fan the the stories around the groups is called like lore, and this is also just like another type of lore, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mythology, yeah. It's yeah. like um. And those are, and it's funny, I mean, mythologies were pre-literate, right? Literacy is linear. I mean, this sounds like super red string of me even to say, but it's like literacy is linear, sequential, logical, mythology is like non-linear, web-like, and it's spread through like oral traditions, right? Like, and which is like exactly what like TikTok is. Like, it's not literate at all. Mm -hmm. It's like an oral tradition and you're like spreading information by word of mouth, which is extremely mythological and like, 
not akin to like anything like logical whatsoever you know two of my friends Libby Mars and Tiger Dingson have this like project called the lore zone that has a lot of good really a lot of really good writing about this that I would recommend and they have this um one essay how to read the internet that's really good about like internet literacy and how like if you get it you get it if you don't you don't um Maybe Gen Z also really likes conspiracy theories because they watch Shane Dawson. I was going to say that, yeah. I also used to read Illuminati blogs when I was in middle school. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I found them really frightening at the time and very, very convincing. Like, reading about Lady Gaga uh, being in the Illuminati and the, the symbolism in her music videos. Also, I do think, like, not to add us, but I feel like part of the project like the part of this project is like thinking deeply about the way things look and that's like also such like an illuminati thing it's like mm-hmm. oh like you see that which you see that like triangle she's wearing on her shirt in the music video you'll never believe it's the eye of Horus. yeah um, yeah that's so like, true. okay on that thread that got deleted they kept on like referring to these like guides of symbolism and being like this like spiral is the symbol for like I don't know, it's really Pizza Gate, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, what? Like, it's just a spiral. Like, they were literally referencing the Maison Soxy types that were, like, super viral last year that just have, like, spirals on them. Mm -hmm. That were seen on, like, a lot of Volkova's Instagram. I was like, you guys are reading way too deep into this. But also, like, there's a type of Pizza Gate, like, QAnon type of person who's so obsessed with child abuse that it becomes, like, really suspicious. Like, I remember I had this one Uber driver when I was coming from the Denver airport who, like, picked me up, and this guy was a fucking nut job. Like, he was so weird, and, like, I, like, asked something about the giant, like, horse sculpture in the Denver airport, because you know how the Denver airport has all this, like, weird conspiracy shit Mm -hmm. around it? And then he just, like, started going off on me about, like, Pizzagate. But then he would, like, start saying all of this really detailed stuff. Like, he was like, yeah, like, you don't want to know this kind of stuff I've seen. Like, children, like, naked, hanging upside down. I'm like, okay, it sounds like you're literally looking at child porn. Like. Yeah. No, that's, like, know. I mean, that's just a common thing, right? And, like, I mean, I think there's just, like, a lot of, um, unfortunately, like, a, a lot of, like, validation for those narratives because there was like I remember like being in middle school and high school and stuff and friends parents telling me about how like Bill Clinton goes on like an airplane called like the Lolita Express with this like eccentric billionaire and like abuses children and I was always like oh like these kooky crazy weird people or whatever and then it like came out to be true and like Jeffrey Epstein da 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 and that just like really like opened up a can of words of something that like America is already like very primed to like be interested in which is like conspiracy this is another thing i was writing for the first episode was like this like book by this historian called richard hofstander called the paranoid style of american politics and it's he kind of just like theorizes that like america is built on this like foundation of like paranoia and like conspiracy theories because of like its protestant origins which is like its central tenet of protestantism is like a skepticism of higher authority and skepticism of hierarchy he also talks about, like, the Salem witch trials being, like, uh, the first conspiracy te- theory. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. So, so we have, like, a real, like, history in America for this because we're also, like, and that's, like, the first satanic panic, which is just, like, we a history that we repeat over and over again, right? And, like, um, these things do repeat themselves over and over again. I think because some people think that there's just, like, truth, little grains of truth in everything, which I think that there, oh, there could be, right? Like, I'm sure there's definitely, like, abuse going on in the modeling industry, like, but that doesn't come as, like, I don't think it's, like, satanic. I just think there's, like, creepy people out there, right? Yeah, exactly. I guess, yeah, it's important for us to say that, like, we don't deny that, like, child abuse is happening and, like, yeah, there are definitely people in power that are, like, sex freaks and pedophiles, but also there are, like, Julia Fox made a video about this recently. There are, like, there's abuse in literally every single industry, not to downplay it, but, like, I think that people get wrapped up in this idea of, like, symbolism and, like, all of these hidden coded meetings because it's, like, whether you want to admit it or not, it's, like, fun and entertaining. But to me, it kind of almost downplays the, like, severity of what's actually happening. Yeah. Or could be happening. Yeah, because, like, children being next to BDSM teddy bear bags is not, like, the same as children 
being abused. Yeah. 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 And it is like, you know, in general, I just think it's probably not good to just use child models at all. Because, like, child labor, I guess. It also just seems hard to work (laughs) with children. Like, it just seems, like, complicated. (laughs) Like, it just seems complicated as fuck to, like, get them out of there. And also the idea of casting children is really, like, who's deciding, like, what kids are, are hot or not? You know, they're probably fake. I know, that's, like, so fucked. This is this thing, we, we always talk about this, which is, like, the global appeal of, like, beautiful children videos. And how, mm-hmm. like, there's been a huge panic on TikTok around mommy run accounts with, like, young uh girl children. Um, yeah. And being like, why does this have one million saves on a mm-hmm. video of, like, a a little girl eating his corn on the cob or something so people are like very aware of this right now no i know yeah. and it's like because it does drive you like kind of crazy because like when i see shit like that i do like i'm like i freak out because it's like you see like i don't know we recently got freaked out over like a bunch of controversies about stuff like that and like it does like appeal to this like i don't know extreme like necessity to like protect and you're just like so disturbed and like want to solve this problem and it's obviously like a big problem the internet has like shown that like this type of thing it's like a huge problem that maybe we didn't realize but the anonymity of the internet combined with that also kind of like makes it so that a person can really go crazy and like see signs where they're not and like yeah you know in their own i don't know this is like a not new and like a very classical narrative of like good versus evil which are very like common methods of like PR and propaganda and it's like overly simplified right and this is like the type of narratives that like we fight wars on you know like this is why like these narratives are super powerful and like I think it's good to add like a level of nuance to it because if you get too caught up in like moral panic like you can start like consenting to like really evil things like like done in the name of like the ultimate good right um or to like bring justice and stuff I don't know but now I'm just thinking of like like the war in Iraq or something like I don't know I'm not thinking about like fashion anymore but when I was first watching this unfold I was thinking about how this is not the same because these are child models and not just young looking adult models but like there used to be this massive panic in fashion around editorials or advertisements where models looked like teenage girls basically and it was like such a big thing like there were tons of like banned american apparel ads because they were said to have like uh teenage looking girls appearing very sexualized also like even the the brooke shields calvin klein jeans ad when she was 15 that was also a huge moral panic and i just feel like that hasn't been in the public consciousness for a while because i think people mm-hmm. are just now used to models looking quite young and wayfish but in the yeah. 2000s and even like the the 2010s as well this was like an actual form of outrage that people were still kind of rallying behind and trying to get these ads banned um with like the authority on ads basically but what's funny is like there wasn't the same energy of like conspiracy behind it because i even remember mm-hmm. like yeah. one controversy that like always stood out to is like that vanity fair miley cyrus photo shoot that was like shot by Annie Leibovitz and she's like 15 and like is like kind of half nude a little bit and it's just suggestive right um and I just remember like my mom being like so upset and being like nobody like in her life like actually cares enough about her to like mm-hmm. protect her from these like snakes and like heathens like in the fashion industry and like but it was always more about like um anger about like exploitation like not like about some sort of like grand like organized cult right yeah, like to me that that seems more authentic, even if it is mm-hmm. more if even if it just seems more based on like actual prudishness, you know. Yeah, but, but that's like I think valid. Like that's yeah. like an actually valid like complaint. And like and yeah, I mean if you're if you're like an ad person and you're making advertising and people don't like your ad, like don't use it. You know, like so I guess there is like something more democratic about like advertising, right? Than there is with like art specifically. That I think also makes people feel like they should weigh in because they're like we are the consumers like we like want to have control over like what's being fed to us or whatever yeah but also i guess back then like billboards and print ads were kind of like subjecting everyone to a certain beauty standard or idea whereas now like balenciaga ad campaigns like you're not actually going to get them or see them anywhere they just kind of get released and then they like go viral 
Mm-hmm. So they're more akin to like editorials, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. They also, I was reading up on these banned ads, and a lot of the companies would come back for the ads that were banned and be like, "Oh, it was placed in this magazine, which has like a target audience of like twenty five plus, and like use that as a way to justify that it's like not going to be shown to like young people or something." Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just like. Yeah, it was way more focused on the demographic too than actually reading the magazine. Mm-hmm. Versus now, the demographic is like literally everyone, like mm-hmm. and like even more so people that aren't interested in fashion and like wouldn't yeah. understand really what they're looking at. Yeah, so um, I just think it was it, it is like a culture shock, just being, I guess, like familiar with a lot of these things, and then just like randomly seeing people freak out over like. Over, like Lot of Volkova's like Instagram feed from like 2016 or something, or just like you're like we've been living in this shit. We've been living know, in this shit for like, too long. Yeah, in fact, like it's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like do you guys remember when it used to be a thing that'd be like people would be so tired of like hot girls posting like dead pigeons on their Instagram feed? <laughs> yeah. Like this is truly being analyzed by Tucker Carlson now. I know, um, like, a lot of Volkova, like, quote-unquote conspiracy thread is so funny to me because it's, like, not even a conspiracy. It's just, like, screenshots from her Instagram, people being like, this is kind of disturbing. And yeah, they're like, ew, gross. The funniest thing to me was the screenshot from, like, the blood elevator scene from The Shining. I'm like, that's literally just, like, one of the most well-known movies of all time. <laughs> that's not, like, her releasing, like, a pile of blood. Yeah. Like, what the hell is going on? No, it's really strange because it is like I think a lot of the reactions against these things. It's also interesting because uh, if you are in fashion at all, like a lot of Volkova has been around for so long that I think some mm-hmm. people think of her as like washed even. Like, I mean, she's been, she, she's kind of still, last time I checked, was like very much still in her Y2K girly phase, mm-hmm. um, which I think a lot of people think of as a bit like outdated now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The lot of Volkova thing is also interesting because there's something about this that is like you evil Russians. Like <laughs> we know what you're doing. Yeah, but, like this is like all European people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, because yeah, Demna being Eastern European, I feel like yeah, it's just uh, people are a little over the aesthetic is a little overdone. Like I think even for the popular imagination, just because like different weird little like elements from like all of these aesthetics have become have been like part of like the discourse or whatever yeah it's gonna start like a new cold war yeah oh, that actually already started <laughs> yeah yeah and Hopefully. like tensions with yeah ukraine as well there's just like a, a larger cultural landscape that would make sense for them to be like dimna i can't pronounce his last name like sounds like the bad guy here yeah um, and they're they're like fall winter 22 show that paid tribute to ukraine where people were kind of like in the climate crisis mm-hmm. snow globe i just i don't know it's all it's a little weird it's all ball's fault yeah that's a... <laughs> i feel like okay because i'm under the impression that there are not that many like demons that are even mentioned in the bible like i actually didn't realize until i read paradise lost that like the story of like the devil and like like being like the most beautiful angel and like falling from grace or that like that's that was just like john milton like that's not in the bible which is I crazy thought that, i thought that was in the bible too yeah, same. No. my mom literally told me that <laughs> my mom did too and she's like a theologian <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> it's in a spinoff yeah ball is <laughs> ball is from the lesser key of Solomon. okay <laughs> okay okay well yeah but... maybe he's in it no, but Milton, like, made up a bunch of demons to be, like, poetic, and I mean, it's a great book, and I honestly, you know, he, I, there's, there's different arguments for, like, him being included in, like, the Christian canon, but. Yeah, what about, like, Dante's Inferno? Is that canon? That's, no, that's not canon, but that's, there's a lot that's of stuff camp. that came from the Inferno. It's camp. It is. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff that came from the Inferno that where it's never in the Bible, and people will straight up just tell you that it is. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. Like, we kind of need to have a, we need to like have, I don't know, revamp the education system again. Like, read books. I feel like this is like the fifth episode in a row that I've told people to just like open up a book and read it. Yeah, I guess it's it's kind of refreshing to remember that. I guess we're we're also like fashion pilled that we kind of like think that nothing like has meaning anymore, or we're used to 
just like edgelordy stuff and like provocateurship but it's kind of refreshing to see that like people are still even capable of being affected by fashion or like assigning moral meaning to it I guess that's like the main thing is that like people are assigning like moral values to images I I actually was gonna say this might be like a good thing for art because like it has everything has felt really tired because it feels like we're gonna so desensitize we're like finally we can be like controversial without being like bringing in like politics and like ideology into it right like maybe like we're like seeing a future where like posting like nosebleed photos will be like edgy again and like things will circle back <laughs> and like well I've been thinking about that yeah I've been yeah thinking weird about that core is is starting to be like. It's going to be, like, if you post weird core photos, like, you're not going to be able to get a job in the future. (laughs) No, I feel like it might be good. This might actually be peaceful because I'm, like, I'm getting really tired of, like, all the ideological warfare. Like, I want people to be edgy again by just, I don't know, like, bloody nose photos, like, photos of bruises on my arm. Yeah, like, you know, like, Pinterest. Yeah, a lot of people come as, like, Instagram, like, not my favorite look. It was just, like, very, like, Tumblr Nicole Dalton Dalton Gamer like that weird mix of like lighthearted stuff with like blood and like I don't know like the mix of Kawaii. <laughs> there is <laughs> a time and a place for it. I think I'm having a stroke. I can't even put together a sentence. We should let let listeners know that we're recording this in a time of extreme distress um yeah being possessed by a ball but i'm also just really sick as you can probably tell from my voice we we uh we we go through thick and thin for y'all um nothing shall stop us oh also you guys should go scroll up and look at that link that i put on that part of my document that i wrote like a year ago was like ivy getty like (laughs) wedding conspiracy theories oh my god I i believe it instantly yeah, no, there's, like, a bunch of, like, weird Ivy Getty wedding, like, oh, the symbolism, like, in, like, the Ivy Getty wedding, and, like, Nancy Pelosi was, like, officiating it, and, like, just all the, like, weird. Didn't something just happen in the Pelosi family, like, today? What? Really? Mm-hmm. I think she, like, resigned. I thought her husband had, like, a stalker or something. Someone oh, broke into their house and, like, yeah. yeah. Because they, like, some guy broke into, like, Nancy Pelosi's house and, like, beat her husband with, like, a baseball bat uh, in the head and like, stuff. almost and, like, to death. Like, he's, like, yeah. when was like, this? Like, a month ago or something. Um, the news just got to London. It just got to London. <laughs> <laughs> like, someone like, here you. It's, like, my carrier pigeon, dude. Like, oh, my God. I wish I understood Masonic shit, but I just, like, I've never been able to. One time I went to a Masonic lodge where it was empty. It was like above like a I don't know if I can even say this because they were being really sketchy about it, but I'll just say it. It was above like a like a country dress store. Like and the guy was like, Oh, there's like a Masonic lodge upstairs. Like, you wanna go in there? And I was like, Yeah, and it was a really it was freaky. I can't I'm not gonna lie, like I saw how some of those conspiracies like it felt like they were true whenever I was in there. The vibes were really dark. I guess I guess I know so many men who are self-identify as Masons. So I'm like, where do we draw the line between man who self-identifies as a Mason and is part of the local Masonic organization and like like Masonic lore of the Illuminati? Because they don't feel very related to me. Yeah, because like I used to work at a restaurant and like one of the line cooks was a Freemason. And I was yeah, like, exactly. it's definitely not like the rich and powerful of the world. Yeah, it's a bit po- <laughs> it's a bit podunk, actually. Yeah, no, it is. Like for real. You because you can just kind of join. I feel like before there was like a little barrier to entry for masonic thing i think the main thing is that it's just as it's just like a secret society which is like the sus part but but it's not a secret though like but like they just have it the sign that the front the sign says like the freemason lodge it's like yeah i guess it's not very secret (laughs) yeah and there's like a guy on tiktok that's like a freemason and he's like super um he's like really like um gung-ho and like happy and it's like time for like my masonic ritual today and he like runs (laughs) It's, like, so fucked up and annoying. And I'm, like, well, these guys are, like, so cringy, actually. Like, I wanted you to be, like, cool and dark and, like, scary. What are the rituals? I need to follow him. (laughs) No, he literally, like, reminded me of that meme from, like, a million years ago. I remember that guy that, like, he's, like, running with toast in my mouth, like, so kawaii or whatever. It's very (laughs) that, like. I forgot about the Lil Nas X Satan shoes with human blood in the soul. That was fucked. I don't like that. I found one Freemason on TikTok 
they're using like that sound that's like do 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 yeah monkey spinning monkeys yeah the monkey is that what it is is that what that favorite song yeah no yeah um so annoying oh my god dude he's the worst dressed celebrity and i will fight like over balenciaga he should take over balenciaga they should appoint him yeah they should yeah, so I guess they haven't fired him though. That's that is news. They haven't fired him, but he has boosted their profits by like I don't know two billion dollars since he joined or something as the creative director of Balenciaga. Um, I wonder if people make like Alessandro Michele type posts about him if he leaves, or if we're just gonna erase him from history. No, I, I like um kind of <laughs> traditional like satanic conspiracies though, like Three Six Mafia and like the Ghetto Boys, like. I don't know, just like old like Southern rap Satanism. Which I don't know much know, about that actually. But it seems interesting. Same. There's like I think there's just like horrorcore, like a type of like rap music that was really into like uh, occult symbolism, just to be like edgy and like push boundaries. Odd Future, which is they could do the. I feel like Odd Future was kind of like a parody of like that type of stuff where they were like you know cats with laser beams. And... Yeah, that was just like a thing I think at that era because you would find like upside down cross slime t-shirts like at target around that era um you know i like suicide boys a lot who's suicide boys they're from new orleans there's a there's like a couple songs you probably would have heard but um i feel like they have a bit of a horror southern rap yeah this says it's horror core but i think i'm thinking more like 90s stuff but this i feel like this is just always gonna exist i think it's more I just think also in terms of like the earlier way where earlier point I made about like American aesthetics being super like a kid or like very like compatible with paranoia is like I've always thought that like American like government aesthetics are extremely esoteric and interesting because like all of the like founding fathers were like Freemasons or like Knights of Templar and they like integrated all of these like symbols into like American aesthetics like the weird Greco-Roman like dollar bills yeah. yeah I just always think there's just something so American about conspiracies. It's like literally integrated into our aesthetic like fabric. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Easter eggs, like yeah. the <laughs> opposite or something. No, I do feel like they like when they were making like all of that stuff in DC, like there were so many little things that they definitely wanted you to. If you've ever taken a tour of DC, they're just always pointing out some weird shit. Maybe I just got a weird tour. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have been thinking a lot about the movie National Treasure recently with Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for our generation, that was a big in- introduction to Masonic conspiracy because that's what the movie's about. Yeah. And I really want to rewatch it. So we should add it to the film festival. We should add that to the film festival. But that's a good movie, I think. I mean, Nicolas Cage himself is a bit of a conspiracy because he's a Coppola, secretly. That's right. He's also really involved in, like, New Orleans occultism. Not maybe occultism, but he's obsessed with New Orleans and has a lot of property. He's also had a string of extremely young and mostly Asian wives, so we need Mm -hmm. to investigate that. He also was on the recent cover of Document Journal. Oh yeah, that was actually really good. Wait, was that when he was shot by Noah Dillon or was that a different thing? I'm not sure. He also has the new movie out where he f- plays himself. That is not new, girl. It came out like a year ago. Yeah, that they came out a couple, a couple years ago. <laughs> that not. was definitely the over one a year where he ago. plays himself? Yes. That came out so long ago. A couple years ago? It did not come out a couple years ago. It came out over a year ago. No. Because I saw it in theaters. It came out when? I saw it in theaters, I don't know, like a year ago. I guess I'll find out. It just came out in London. <laughs> yeah, it just came out in London. <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive talent. You guys are so mean to me. I'm so sorry, Biz. We love guys, you. It came out in 2022. Okay, I, yeah. It's new. It's new. It's not new, though. You guys are nasty. You guys are two two nasty girls. <laughs> this is how I would fight with my cousins in Mexico. Like, because movies will always come out in the United States first. <laughs> I would always fight with them. I'd be like, I fight first. <laughs> it was like the biggest flex to be American only because, like, you saw movies first. Yeah. The Throw back um, to that. I miss the simple times. No, oh. he he just got citizenship to like a random country, like Mongolia or something. He's so sus. It's probably because he's looking for his next wife. I thought he had his next wife. I guess his next next wife. 
Mm-hmm. Ooh, keep an eye out. Keep a sharp eye, conspiracy theorist. I feel like this is a good one. This is, there might be something there. No, his wife is so pretty, dude. Yeah, I guess how to pick them, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring in something I had read a couple years ago. It's an essay by Federico Sargentone, who is a really talented editor and writer. But basically, it was about like the popularity of fa- of irony in fashion via Dimna, and it was published by one mock or Winmock, not sure but i've written for them a few times but it's about how we the global consumer should no longer sustain the burden of irony in any creative output we should be all on strike against unnecessary layers of meaning injected into luxury products we should be consuming any luxury we're capable of but without the totally irreverent irrelevant demand of making it funny and self-referential to say it loud and clear, today, a game-changing, revolutionary, yet exaggeratedly cynical experiment such as Balenciaga is no longer needed. And so that came out a couple years ago, and I was like, damn, I guess he was right. Um, Dude, period. Yeah, I, I remember I took note of that at the time because I was like, oh, that's like an interesting take because it was like before Prangs come up, really. It was before all these like very ironic brands were becoming super, super popular. And I think that really came through. Yeah, people don't, it just feels too, like, nihilistic and, like, empty and, like, weirdly soulless to be basing, like, your entire creative output on, like, irony and being, like, cheeky in, like, an edgy way. Just Especially when it's really expensive as well. And obviously we're, like, heading towards a recession slash inner recession, so it's upsetting to people. I actually want to read the end of it because it's, like, kind of well stated. So Federico said... Luxury will have to speak for itself, and the language around it will have to be compelling and direct. Adaptation to abrupt changes in history requires a tremendous amount of emotional capital, a resource that, in time of emergency, is of primary importance. And the cerebral effort to understand and appreciate redundant irony in the creative industry will no longer be sustainable in the long run. We pleasantly regress to honesty. We're we're innocent now. This is a really well stated essay. Very ahead of its time. Very prescient. Yeah, I'll link it in the the show notes. But yeah, I'm I guess I'm curious to see, I guess yeah what luxury will look like going forward. Um, and you're you're totally right about it being so expensive because it does kind of feel like a fuck you to the consumer, right? Because it's like you're just buying like a joke gag product. Like this isn't like a magic store. Like I want a gown for like two thousand dollars. <laughs> like what the hell? Like it's like, like buying, you're like, never a gonna get pillow. a gown. Like, no, I know. Never ever give you a gown. <laughs> it's literally like one of those gags where it's like you shake someone someone's hand and they have like a shocker in their hand. That's like what it feels like if you want to buy Balenciaga. It's like a total joke. Like. Ugh. It's giving supreme brick. You know, you know who has changed the zeitgeist? Charles Gross, because he's, tur- yeah, yes! he's turning on everyone to like the actual ins and outs of luxury, and like, I don't know, I think that's beautiful. Alexi's met him. In the yeah, club. I know. I did meet him, but he don't follow me on Instagram. But you know who I also met? Who? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who isn't going to unfollow me ever, hopefully, is Dakota Wright, the Chili's Orders. Oh my god, gay you're guy. so lucky. And his lovely husband. See, you were at a luxurious event. A television show premiere. Yeah. You know, there's nothing to figure out there in terms of irony. I definitely did not interact with any elites there, that's for sure. <laughs> I feel like Dakota is definitely an elite to me. Oh, no, yeah, like... he is an elite. But he's not, like, a quote-unquote elite of, like, um, like traffickers and stuff. No, that's true. He's just, like, an average... He's, like, an upper-middle-class, like, married man in, like, the suburbs. Like, I love yeah. him. I yeah. feel like he would really hate this, everything that's happened here. He would not stand mm-hmm. for it. No, he wouldn't, dude. He's so, he just, he's a man of simple tastes. No, like, I was telling you, Alexi, like, that is, like, more important to me than meeting, like, Obama. Like, that is yeah. so such an important figure in my life. And- I mean, I literally met Kanye West, and I was, like, more happy when I met Dakota. So. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you met Kanye, like, let's talk about how, like, you met Kanye, like, right before everything, like, broke down. Like it was I like know. it was like literally like a week before Kanye started spiraling out of control. It like, was like <laughs> it was a day before he met Julia Fox. You're a part of history. Yeah, you are. I definitely am. Honestly, that day was a little bit like Epstein coded because we were on a private island, but yeah. Uh, Alexi, Alexi, <laughs> yeah. trust Alexi. <laughs> yeah, trust Alexi. Like, I'll just say that Ball was not present that day. I'm really yeah. obsessed with Ball, guys. Like, I can't believe he's not even in the Bible. Is he in the Bible? I never figured out if he's not. Around. No. Like, people just made up all of this shit. Like, it's so funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, like, I mean, there's a few mentions of, like, the 
like demons and the devil and stuff like that in the bible but they're all like super abstract and like very kind of up for interpretation i took a course on this like milton and paradise lost and we would read like a bunch of like bible passages like every time we did like a chapter or like a like a few like pages of it weirdly enough my dad's like major was like Milton studies. That is so cool, babe. But it was oh what God. studies? It was like Milton studies. Like, I, yeah, it doesn't relate to his career now. But like when I found that out, I was like, "You were a Milton historian." That is so cool, dude. To me, that's like the coolest job. Maybe ever. he he knows about ball. He probably does. He could probably teach us. I don't. I don't even like saying demon name though. This is like reminds me of like the Beelzebub epidemic where people were like really scared of Beelzebub and all of that kind of stuff. No, Beelzebub is scary. They gave them a little bit like cartoonish goblin names, but it is scary because I do remember as a child like watching The Exorcist, but that's not Beelzebub. It's like another one, but just like literally. I mean, one of them is Beetlejuice, but it's spelled all weird. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I feel like the the most recent demon thing that comes to mind is, wait, what's the A twenty hereditary? That's a demon movie. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but now I'm I'm frightening myself because it's a bit cold and dark here. <laughs> There's a new movie that's um about a nun breaking the glass ceiling. She's the first female exorcist. It looks really scary. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. that's actually very like. Uh, do you remember there was like an era of like catholic movies in the 2000s like exorcism of emily rose and like the right and like um that one keanu reeves like movie constantine <laughs> I, I just remember like that that was a that was a good era of like weird catholic horror movies um <laughs> all right do do you guys have anything else you want to cover we've been recording for like an hour so like time wise yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing we could talk about at the end is just, like, the artist Michael Borman. You guys familiar? We could just give our quick opinions on his his art, I guess. It's nasty. Oh, so basically this was also one of the satanic Easter eggs and the office shots. Um, There's a book of the artist, yeah, Michael Borman, whose work has some, like, weird, disturbing depictions of toddlers. And that is another thing people have been like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah, he just seems like it's very, um, what's the guy that did the black paintings? It's very that. Um, Also very, like, uh, 9-11, like, Guantanamo Bay Corps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Definitely reminded me of that. Especially with those, like, cone hats. Things. Yeah. Things. Always ominous, a cone hat. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I this is not necessarily my favorite. It reminds me a little bit. Do y'all know who Jenny Seville is? I don't know. I don't yeah. know enough about like art history or anything to like understand or like name what kind of painting style this is, but I do recognize it. And I feel like she uses a lot of like color palettes that are based off of like medical books. Like she she like the color palette that she uses she's like trying to mix her colors and blend them while looking at like medical books of like surgery and stuff and like try to recreate the same colors to paint random things um which does seem like unnecessarily morbid for an art museum mm-hmm. so i understand why people are freaked out you know no but, like artists are freaks so i don't know yeah it's I really agree. funny when uh to see like art stuff like this kind of decontextualized in like some right-wing twitter thread i remember last year my sister was like listening to some like pizzagate podcast or something and she was like texting me and asking me if i knew who marina bramovich was because <laughs> that whole like spirit cooking thing was like a big part of pizzagate and i was like of course i know who she is she's like the most famous performance artist ever but like to a lot of people like this is how they find out about like these artists mm-hmm. and i guess like yeah from the outside it does look hella weird but this is like standard like art shit you know like just wait until they find yeah. out about piss christ or like any of the other weird stuff <laughs> no it's true i mean that's like og satanic panic era um they should put piss christ in the next one yeah they they probably will they probably will yeah they'll be like it's been a big mistake balenciaga <laughs> should take some pr notes from praying after they release that special needs shirt business the businessmen of our times no, really smart businessman, yeah. 
Yeah, um, playing, praying stock is going up, Balenciaga stock is going down. It's going down, yeah. <laughs> I have been seeing, yeah, praying has become more of a figure in my TikTok feed, which it really wasn't before. Praying also always on K-pop idols these days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well. Um, because I can't believe you're a secret K-pop fan. You didn't even tell me. Yeah, well, I got into it like on an accident. I'm not actually. I don't actually even listen to K-pop. I just like to look at the pictures and read the stories and like. I'm gonna get into it more, so then I'll tell you more once that happens. Okay. Period. Yeah, be your guide. Um, oh, we need yeah, to do a K-pop, K-pop episode. That's <gasps> like, my dream so. come true, right? Let's like let's like write write that down somewhere. This K-pop episode. I feel like, yeah, no, this is like a, this is a trick. I, I'm glad we got this out of our system because this has been kind of like sitting on pause, like in our Google Docs. I kind of feel like that's been the vibe of our last few episodes. I'm really happy that we're like kind of purging, not purging, but it's like purging. nice release. So I feel like we probably shouldn't do Would You Rathers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I'm maybe respect- you're right. I'm pretty respectful um, as a woman, so. Yeah. Oh my God, you're <laughs> I can't me. even think of anything. That's like <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, mm, just didn't, didn't go well last time. I know. Out of respect for the yes. Yeah. Out of respect the for the children, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. We like. For sh- I feel like we shouldn't have to say, but we will. We absolutely condemn. Yeah. Child appearance. Like we've made like multiple anti-pedophilia statements on this podcast mm-hmm. it was one of our first like collective yeah. statements it was, yeah, it, was, like, it was our first statement ever our yeah. first statement we issued a statement that was very like we condemn all pedophiles stay away from us we don't want anything yeah. to do with you motherfuckers go i don't know <laughs> jesus christ like I- <laughs> yeah we're definitely not abolitionists when it comes to pedophiles um <laughs> definitely be forced to prison labor um yeah no i do take this stuff really seriously in fact i think that i'm even like really prone to like all the tiktok content that's like as we were talking about sam like about like protecting kids like i think if i had kids i would never post images of them online like stuff Mm -hmm. like that you know like i think that the internet is like a terrible place for children i think that like images of children need to be protected and like not just used for shock value but i also think that Balenciaga isn't like really like fashion gate is like not what not what we want it to be like it's kind of not like it's not that deep but it's not like as crazy and um you know woo-woo as, as yeah it's definitely like some like edgy like minor creative agency worker that makes like like 60k a year that like did this it is not like part of the global elite like yeah i mean like these people are just out of touch like you're just like art school brain like they probably have they all probably have like art school degrees and just mm-hmm. think that like this edgelord stuff is normal but this is like mm-hmm. a good down to earth moment for all fashion creatives that mm-hmm. you know in this day and age people outside of your intended audience will see your work and it's subject to all types of associations that laymen will come up with mm-hmm. yeah it's just like i guess the fashion world isn't the world yeah so stop posting weird core images because like people get scared <laughs> I've started to be like kind of a prude about this type of stuff. It was just like I don't want to see like pictures of people passed out. I don't want to see a dead rat. Like I just don't mm-hmm. want to see that shit. So yeah, I feel like there was a time. I'm I agree. There was a time where that was like very palpable for me and like yeah. normalized. But I have seen this too because it's like okay, I've been talking to like random friends that are like historically very edgy, alternative, and I'll be like talking to them at like a rave or a DJ set. And they'll go on like an insane rant against like degeneracy. And I'm like, dude, it's like, it's like one o'clock in the morning and we're like in a tunnel. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, but I feel like alternative people are starting to really reject their roots and hate themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like being like um punks, like the most punk thing is empathy vibes, you know. <laughs> it's different. Tender queer. Yeah. We should do tender that queer. Actually, that actually might be uh... <laughs> Not how you guys think, though. Just a little bit about the hair flippy flop, the guys with the hair flippy flop. I know, I was just thinking, like, the, our tender yeah. episode could literally be about that John Hughes core, like... Mm-hmm. <gasps> I find that so addictive. That is, like, a cultural antidote to this. Because it's literally the 80s versus the 90s. Like, it's, like, the 80s versus the 
the satanic panda of the 90s it's crazy also addison ray is so 80s in almost all of her presentations even though she does do a lot of like y2k clothing it's like she can't escape her 80s vibe like she will always have just like an extreme 80s vibe and i just think she was like the first canary in the coal mine about the 80s she's so weird for though like she is she precipitated the satanic panic with her collaboration with prey but yeah, we need to make her 80s again. We need to make her get in the woods with those kids who, like, sing Tears for Fears. Oh, yeah. But also Stranger Things was kind of, like, satanic panic and also, like, Cold War vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah, it was really Cold War vibes. We had a, we've had, like, several 80s revivals that I feel like were never really executed properly. So hopefully if, if they do or if they are revived soon, they will be executed excellently. Yeah. I started watching The X-Files again. This is, like why everything's going wrong in my life. I think that's what made me sick. Easel <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. I feel like there's going to be, like, demonic, like, chittering in this this track. Probably. Oh, do y'all remember when we did the Meg Superstar Princess episode and I recorded it in, like, the haunted office building behind my grandma's house <laughs> and I heard, like, a bunch of demon yeah, sounds? That wasn't good. That wasn't good for anyone. That's, like, those... That recording is, like, on my Instagram. So if any listeners, like, want to confirm the truth of that, you guys can go look at that, but... That was I really scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said it was Ghosts of Hipsters Past. Oh, like that's that. so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, love okay. Meg. Well, yeah, love Meg. Definitely love Meg. God bless her. Um, thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode. I guess we've all, if you're paying attention to the news, it's probably been really like overstimulating. Um, mm-hmm. But hope you're all doing well. Yeah, and feel free to let us know what you guys are thinking about all of this. And if you've noticed this trend towards conspiracy worldwide as well. 